Next up on the Mutual Audio Network, fiction from our future. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. The Leviathan Chronicles, Season 3. The Seasons Thus Far. McCallan Orsall has found a starstone. She stands on the riverbank of the Hudson River, holding the last hope for Leviathan in her hands, reflecting on the desperation of the recent past. More than a week earlier, Evangeline Liefrich, the leader of the immortal city of Leviathan, was violently thrown into a coma. She was betrayed by her Lieutenant Banu as he attempted to murder her while helping two aliens from the planet Sorax escape Leviathan. Her life now hangs by a thread. Before he was killed, Banu implanted a mysterious computer virus in the Leviathan Civic AI that has now gone rampant and threatens the destruction of the city. With power levels dropping and the infrastructure of the city failing, McAllen convinces the Leviathan Council to send her and a small team to an abandoned oil rig known as Iron Gate that she hopes will provide clues as to the alien's location. She deduces that if she can find the Saraxians, then she could obtain a Starstone to save the city and heal Evangeline. But the station was booby-trapped, and McAllen and her team were almost killed trying to escape Iron Gate. Time is against McAllen, as every hour brings the pressure shield of Leviathan closer to collapse. On the other side of the world, Sension, the rebel leader, has established a dangerous alliance with Jason Sterling and Whit Roberts of the Black Door Group. After learning of the existence of the Saraxians on Earth, Sension has become obsessed with locating the missing aliens. He hopes to force the extraterrestrials into helping him extend the lifespans of the immortals who followed him in rebellion. After returning to New York with Whit Roberts, he awakened Rebecca Von Alt, a highly energy-sensitive rebel, also known as the Countess. Her ability to sense latent Starstone energy made her the most formidable tracker in history, allowing the rebellion to stay aware of any move made against it by Evangeline. But her prodigious ability also made Rebecca a target, forcing Sension to play her into an undercover identity to literally assume a new personality for decades at a time in order to hide her. While the alliance between Sension and the former Black Door agents is treacherous, both sides need each other. Jason Sterling needs Sension in order to discover where on earth the aliens could now be. Only Sension, with Rebecca's help, can pinpoint their location. But Sension has need of Sterling as well. After their imprisonment under Evangeline, Sension knows the aliens won't trust him or any other immortal. Sterling and Whit Roberts have harbored a secret plot with the Saraxians and are willing to bring Sension and Rebecca to the aliens. After a dramatic break-in at the Pierpont Morgan Library to boost her powers, Rebecca revealed the location of the aliens to be deep within the rainforest of the Central African Republic. But the awakening of the Countess did not go unnoticed. While McAllen and her strike force were injured and adrift in the Northern Pacific, they were able to sense Rebecca's location in an abandoned subway terminal in New York City. Anton called in a favor from a disgruntled pilot in the rebellion named Henderson Riverstone, 
who reluctantly agreed to help McCallum with her mission to find a Starstone and fly her team to New York. After a deadly aerial showdown over the skyline of Manhattan, where two immortal aircraft fought to bring each other down, McCallum was able to sort through the wreckage of the Moonblade to find the remains of the tracking device used by the Countess. In the debris, McCallum finds a slender thread of hope when her hands connect with an active, energized Starstone. But hope has been more elusive for some. After being separated on other sides of the planet, Tully and Oberlin were reunited in Tibet after jumping through a keyhole. They were prisoners of the Black Door group, but managed to escape in Okinawa and return to the smuggling underworld they abandoned many years ago. On the run with nowhere left to turn, Tully and Oberlin find Fish Egg Freddy, a dubious contact from their past, who agrees to assist and hide the pair while Yakuza gangsters look to collect a long, outstanding debt. But the price on Tully's head proved to be too great. Fish Egg Freddy double-crossed his friends by turning Tully and Oberlin over to the gangster Kasunori Tanaka. After being brutally tortured, a deal is struck between Tanaka and Tully. Tully is given 72 hours and a plane ticket to New York to find Tanaka's missing son, Toshi. Failure will result in Oberlin being killed in Japan. And finally, back in Las Vegas, Harlequin is recovering from his grievous wounds suffered in Leviathan. After being framed by the traitor Banu for implanting the computer virus destroying the underwater city, Harlequin made a desperate escape to the ocean's surface, where he foregathered with his young ward, Lizette Manzabil. Together in the Condor, they flew to Las Vegas so that Harlequin could receive medical attention at a clandestine hospital known as Sanctuary, hidden deep within the bowels of the Encore Hotel and Casino. While he convalesces, Harlequin has ordered Lizette to go undercover and infiltrate the DEF CON hacking conference being held in Las Vegas. And now, season three of The Leviathan Chronicles. going as fast as I can. Hurry, we're gonna miss it. I told you, I'm trying. The ring work blades, hurry! Next time, you can carry all the computer equipment. It feels like I'm hauling lead. Come on, we're almost there. Better be. Fuck! What? The door to the roof is locked. Looks like a key card. Move, move over. This is why he brought me. Looks like there's an alarm. You sure you got this? Yeah, yeah, I got this. The Bellagio spends most of the security budget on the casino, not the rooftops. Hand me the needle-nose pliers and that card reader in my backpack. Here you go. Oh, and that precision screwdriver. Got it. Hey, do you really there. think that? Got it. Damn it, Oculus. You're fucking good. You got us access to the whole roof. Let's go before- No, wait. Not the entire roof. I was able to take all the left cameras offline, but the center and right security cameras are still live. We've got to stay against the left wall until we get to the ledge. And from there, it's your show, Helix. I got us in, you've got to deliver the final hack. I told you, I got us covered. If we pull this off, we'll be the fattest black hats at DEF CON. Now let's jam before we miss our window. Come on, let's go. Grab the bag. The two computer hackers burst out of the access door on the roof of the Bellagio Hotel in Las Vegas. Go, 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 go. As the glimmering lights of the strip flashed and blinked, they raced to push themselves against the shadowed left wall of the roof. They dashed swiftly under the security cameras that provided a clean line of sight to Caesar's Palace Hotel and Casino across the street, where a massive crowd had congregated. 
Oops. Get down. No, 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 wait, it's cool. They're just press helicopters for the event. Relax. Just keep your head down. They're flying pretty low. Don't worry, they can't see us. They're just trying to get aerial footage. You got the pack? Right here. Perfect. Hold this. Man, the view's pretty insane up here. You can see the whole strip, all the hotels. Shit, you can see all the way to Henderson. As long as we can see the trucks and the fountain. The more corpulent hacker who went by the moniker Oculus peered over the roof's edge to witness the growing spectacle below at Caesar's Palace. Crowd-filled bleachers were erected on either side of the fountain in front of the hotel, and when he squinted his eyes, he could see two brilliantly iridescent 4x4 monster trucks surrounded by frenetic mechanics. Check it out, Oculus. The fireworks for the event are starting. <laughs> Pretty damn cool. Ugh, I forgot that heights make me really nauseous. <laughs> then you sure as shit don't want to look down. Welcome to Caesar's Palace. Here in gorgeous Las Vegas, the entertainment capital of the world, we've got a phenomenal show for you all today and for this crowd of over 2,000 people that are here in person at the historic fountain. To honor the DEF CON convention, two of the biggest monster trucks in all the world are here today to see once and for all who can jump the furthest. These two trucks will be spending more time in the air, they hope, than on the runway ramps they've been set up around this tremendous landmark. And to do it at this historic site where Evil Knievel attempted the first jump of Caesar's Palace back in 1967 is so very exciting. He was unsuccessful, right? That is correct. He failed in his attempt and it almost killed him. But his son, Robbie Knievel, picked up the mantle and successfully cleared the fountain at Caesar's in 1989. But this really is a whole different can of beans, isn't it? No monster truck has ever accomplished a feat this monstrous. I mean, this really is an enormous jump. Absolutely. No one truck, let alone two, have successfully completed a jump of this length. Over 160 feet, jumping over 10 trucks and the fountain at Caesars. Quite simply, this could be a day for the record books. This Las Vegas crowd is roaring to see the two biggest monster trucks ever, Flamethrower and the Truckinator, to see if they have what it takes to fly. on the Bellagio rooftop. Oculus, let's see if this thing is ready to fly. Hand me that duffel bag and get those batteries out of the backpack. Oh, and hand me those rotor blades. Hey, hey Helix, are you, are you really sure about this? About joining Anonymous? Are you kidding? I've heard they've got a stable back door that gives them an NSA server pull once a month. Do you know what that data's worth? No, 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 not that. I mean, jeez, look at the size of the crowd down there. It's huge. The two leaned their heads carefully over the ledge to peer below at the massive spectacle. Two giant ramps were situated on either side of the fountains in front of Caesar's Palace. A rock band called ATW took the stage as fireworks exploded around the multicolored trucks that were now running speed passes beside the cheering crowds. See what I'm talking about? Okay, so there's a few more people than I thought would show up. Hey, hand me that Allen wrench. I... They built bleachers for only 2,000, but it looks like they may have gotten a couple more with all the strip traffic. Hey, I'm serious. Helix, are you sure about this? Not to mention that band. I mean, there's a lot of folks that are going to get hurt if we don't get this exactly right. Hey, take it easy, Oculus. Listen, you agreed to this. Do you want to get into Anonymous? My contact said if we can pull this off, we're as good as in. This is worth it. Why us? What do you mean? Some of the best hackers in the world are here for this convention. 
Why aren't all of them gunning for this hack? Why us? None of them have the guts to pull off a stunt like this. No one is thinking this big. Come on, you know that's not true. Yesterday, the Legion of Doom broke the billboard at the Cosmo and played Rick and Morty for 20 minutes. Everyone's swinging for the fences this year. Okay, you see that down there? That white trailer with all the instruments on top? That's the speed ramp control center. They've got computers monitoring wind speed, temperature, humidity that send all that data to the servos on the jump ramp in real time. Instead of a fixed ramp, these new ones are constantly making minute adjustments to changing conditions to make sure each of the trucks clears the fountain. So every black hat in Vegas is trying for this crack. Which is why the jump ramps are on a hard line close circuit with the controlled center. No outside access, no internet connection. Here, look through these. Yeah. I can see the security guards surrounding the white trailer in the parking lot. So, so what are we doing up here? Shouldn't we be down there? How are we going to jack the ramp from up here on the roof? Sometimes you just have to hack the hack, my brother. Check it out. Holy shit, is that a walker, a tracking drone? Damn straight. And look at this tip. Whoa, what the hell is that? It's a miniaturized superconductor. I spent nine months designing it in my uncle's lab. It fires a highly localized micro-electromagnetic pulse. I don't get it. Look, it's simple. I'm going to pilot this drone to that bank of servos connected to the control center. Once I fire the EMP pulse, the hydraulic ramps will automatically collapse under the weight of the trucks. With the ramps down, truckinator and flamethrower will crash into the fountain, and everyone gets wet and has a big laugh. Drivers are in cages, people are in bleachers, nobody gets hurt, and we become part of the collective. There's just one catch. What's that? As soon as I fire this thing, it's gonna bring every cop in two miles racing over here. The casino is on a massive emergency power generator that will kick in almost instantaneously once the EMP shorts out the power. What's the almost? Less than half a second. If the truck hits the jump ramp at 71 miles per hour, I won't have much more than that to fire the pulse. Helix, that's a small fucking window. If you're off, even by a little, you could send either truck crashing into the crowds or, or even each other. This, this is really starting to get dangerous. I'm telling you, I got this. Are you really sure? I'm sure. All right, looks like we're ready to do this. And it looks like our trucks are ready to do this. That's right. Our two monster trucks have finished getting their tire pressures checked, and I'm being told that final engine diagnostics have been completed. Both Truckinator and Flamethrower are now headed to their perspective launch zones. Lots of pressure on these two drivers. In order to clear the fountains, each truck will be trying to reach 71 miles per hour when they hit those jump ramps. And that's quite a feat for these trucks, isn't it? After all, these behemoths all have engines and suspensions that are tuned for brutish low wind talk for smashing over and pulverizing lesser cars. But getting these multi-ton giants to 71 miles an hour will be quite a challenge. What happens if they fail, James? Um, Evil Knievel was in a coma for 29 days. A coma? Yeah. Well, that sounds quite bad, doesn't it? It does. I see. They're starting. I'll hold the binoculars. I'm ready. But also ready were the inhabitants of the white helicopter adorned with the KSMV Channel 2 news logo. 
Hovering 2,000 feet over the hackers and monster trucks, news collection was the last priority of its passengers. The aircraft was fitted with a heavily insulated cabin that blocked most of the rotor noise from the outside. Two men were inside, one standing, one seated. A lean man in his late 40s with square Maikita glasses leaned over the shoulder of the young half-Chinese man who sat at the mobile workstation. The younger man wore a translucent headset and seemed remarkably comfortable multitasking several operations at once. His fingers flew at a rapid clip across the keyboard before the older man leaned in to speak. Time is running short. Clerican, commence operation pre-check. Understood. Oberon, this is airbase. Are you in position? Affirmative. We've just checked into the Sweet Ed Caesars and the balcony has clear line to the fountains. But I'm worried that all these fireworks are making Artemis nervous. Well, tell her to keep her feathers out of the minibar. <laughs> Will do. Oberon, out. Nuala, report. In position. Ready to yank the rug. Standing by. Excellent. My team is in place, Dr. Jacobs. Clerican, I'd like to make it clear that I'm taking a risk letting you run this assignment. A lot of lives could be lost if we fail but I don't believe we will fail. No, neither do I, Dr. Jacobs. Then let's begin. It's showtime, and the trucks are getting ready to start their run. Helix, the trucks are about to begin their run. It's time. I see them. Checking the battery level. I'm showing all systems green. Here, hold the bottom of the drone. Got it. Okay, get ready. And... Drone is away. Get ready, Clerican. The trap is set, sir. Remember, Clerican, it's essential that we obtain the device intact. And the trucks are speeding down the raceway. Truck gained an early start. Helix, the trucks are accelerating. You gotta get that drone closer. I'm halfway there, another thousand feet. Not much time left, Helix. Almost there. Helix. Target reached. Charging EMP. Whoa! Police scanners lighting up! Sir, EM search detected. The time is now, Clerican. This is it! The trucks are hitting the round! Now, Oberon. Fly, Artemis. From the balcony of a Caesar's Palace suite, a peregrine falcon shot from the arm of its handler and raced towards the drone in the neon-lit sky. <laughs> Holy shit, what was that? And 71 miles an hour, the trucks are racing up the ramps. They're up, they're in the air, they're soaring over the fountain. Truckinator is looking strong. Yeah, but Flamethrower is catching a little bit of wind. He's inching left. Is he going to make it? Can he clear the fountain? Trucks have hit the landing ramps. 165 feet. They've done it. Just astounding. Both trucks together. A new world record. My God, they've done it. And the crowd is going berserk. I love you, Truckinator. I don't get it. What the fuck happened? I've lost connection with the drone. I can't get a response. Nothing's working. That's because your fancy little drone is now birdseed. Oculus and Helix spun around quickly to see a petite woman with a short blonde bob, surrounded by four members of the Las Vegas the Police ground. Department. Nalia Gopensky and Reed Porterson meet the Las Vegas PD and the FBI. Who the 
feds? Holy shit, why is the FBI here? Because your stupid little stunt tonight will be treated like an act of domestic terrorism. You should have thought about that before endangering thousands of lives, Nadia. My name is Helix. Sure it is, Mary Poppins. Take these dum-dums away, and make sure to keep their bags an electromagnetic shield. Nuala to Clerican. We're clean here. Roof secure. Over. I read you, Nuala. Airbase out. The intruders have been apprehended, Dr. Jacobson. And the drone? Oberon has it in custody, and the EMP device has been deactivated. We'll be analyzing the data and should have answers by tonight. It'll be interesting to see how she managed to weaponize the inverter circuits of the superconductor in such a small form factor. How did you know Nadia would use the drone? I didn't. The dossier indicated a prior arrest for illegal airspace operation. I figured she would be smart enough to know that ramp control system would be on a hard line and unhackable from the outside. The drone was a reasoned deduction. A risky one. But calculated. I also figured she wasn't smart enough to realize the drone's vulnerability. Sometimes you just have to hack the hack. I see. This was excellent work, Clerican. In addition, it seems you managed to keep Sin City safe for the masses. At least for another evening. Nice to have you back, Clerican. Nice to be back. The Leviathan Chronicles. Season 3. Chapter 39, Lions and Lambs, Las Vegas, Nevada. DEFCON, the world's largest convention for hackers, crackers, and anyone who wanted to bypass normal security, be it traditional lock tumblers, computerized security systems, or security software. Harlequin's ward Lizette had heard of the illustrious convention, but had always been too busy actually making use of her thieving abilities to attend a lecture on a skill that came naturally. The lavish Encore Hotel and Casino was overrun with the usual suspects, playboys and those that wanted to be, dressed in dark jeans and untucked black shirts, having lissom women on their arms. They were flanked by corpulent, wide-eyed tourists with oversized wheeled bags ripe for the pickpocketing. And lastly, the addicted, the loners who were usually older, carrying plastic cups of quarters, parking their walkers against the slot machines to try and win their way out of the pit of despair their lives had become. But amid all of the Vegas gamblers were the hackers, the attendees of the DEF CON convention. They were easy to spot. The population was largely male, younger than 30, and dressed in trendy t-shirts. They traveled either solo or in packs of three, excited to take a break from the convention to gamble or stare at provocatively dressed women. Two young men wearing Skrillex and Kilroy 2.0 t-shirts were playing blackjack for $25 per hand. Lizette quietly moved beside them, pretending to read something intently on her phone. You up? Does it look like I'm up, huh? I have a system, all right? Dude, you're not listening. It's always rigged toward the house. The odds are totally against you. You're gonna lose all your money, and then I'm gonna laugh while I eat sushi at Nobu, and you're lucky to afford a burger at In-N-Out. Man, shut up. In-N-Out is awesome, okay? When I win, that's the first place I'm going. Double-double animal style, baby. I'm gonna luck out, and you'll have to get another roommate, because I'm buying the penthouse suite, which automatically comes with the best hookers in town. I'm pretty sure pros don't come with the room. What if a chick wins a jackpot? Oh, man, that'd be awesome. A straight chick, dude, and a straight woman from real life? 
not your imagination. I don't understand you, man. Why you gotta be a hater? Why you gotta piss on the players' dreams? The other shows, Blackjack. Oh, damn it. I'm going back to the room. You going to that deep fake hack-off thing tonight that White Egg is throwing? No fucking way. I mean, I might go, but I'm not gonna be one of the stupid volunteers that gets into the ring. I'd rather watch everyone else make an ass of themselves. Wait a second, you're not thinking of doing it, are you? Man, are you kidding? Get into a boxing ring with computers and go toe-to-toe -to -toe with some of the best crackers in the world? Hell yes, I'm doing it. Plus, the winner gets a chance to interview with White Egg, the coolest, highest-paying, best software company in the world. Can't you just send in your resume like a normal human being? Dude, that company can have any white hat or hacker they want, right? Think about it. Hiring people this way makes it interesting, at least. Shows the company who really wants the job. <sighs> Sounds like a lame publicity stunt to me. I think I'd rather work somewhere that didn't rely on gimmicks. Then go to a boring job fair, dude. All right, clearly DEFCON is not the place for you. Lizette rolled her eyes and deftly moved away from the two men, neither of whom noticed her absence. Imbecile. Finding someone to help Harlequin and me is going to be tougher than I thought. They're all just a bunch of easily distracted boys. She thought for a moment longer, and then spied an obnoxious, overweight man in a black silk shirt slap a waitress on her bottom as she walked by. Hey, hey, darling! Hey, darling! Be a doll and bring me another crown and seven and make sure you bring that sweet ass back here quick. Right away, sir. Lizette rolled her eyes. Although Harlequin had given her plenty of money, she slipped by the man's table and lifted his wallet from his bulging hip pocket as she walked by. She made her way to the ladies' room and into a store where she took two $100 bills from the messy wad of cash she had shoved in the wallet. Thank you. She quickly exited the ladies' room and walked back across the casino floor behind the overweight man. His trousers were stretched across his backside tightly causing Lizette to realize she wouldn't be able to slip the wallet back into his pocket without him noticing. She casually dropped it on the ground beside the craps table, kicked it under the man's chair and kept walking. Holding the $100 bills in her hand, Lizette scanned the rest of the casino floor and found the harassed waitress taking the orders of a rowdy bachelorette party at one of the blackjack tables. Here, the fat man over there said to give this to you. A hundred bucks? What, man? Over there somewhere. I'm not sure. It's really crazy over there. Tell me about it. The waitress took the bill without another question, and Lizette continued on, smiling. She had $100 left, and she felt the need to go shopping. She showed her room key to the guard in the lobby and took the VIP elevator to the tower suite Harlequin arranged for her. She walked into her room, which overlooked the Vegas Strip with its Eiffel Tower, fake New York skyline, and the smoking pirate ship of Treasure Island. She grabbed a bottle of Evian from the minibar and walked over to her laptop. Okay, Harlequin told me to blend in at DEFCON first. I need to see if I can make a hairdresser appointment online. Let's see. Ha! There's an appointment in an hour. Perfect. Now I still need to get an entry pass into the stupid convention. Maybe if I can purchase it. Ah, damn it. It froze up. Oh, shit. Come on, you stupid machine. Lizette's Panasonic Toughbook 31 failed to respond to her keystrokes. Come on! The screen remained black and then suddenly was filled with strings of characters that began to form letters to spell a word. After a moment, the letters P-W-N-E-D blinked on her screen before her machine shut down on its own. Ah, oh, merde.
Lizette spent the next several hours sitting uncomfortably still in a hairstylist's chair, getting her ebony hair streaked with bright magenta. While sitting at the African World of Braids, she did extensive research on the DEF CON convention on her iPhone. Every site she read gave the advice of never bring a laptop to the event, for the very reason that Lizette had just experienced. Laptops will be cracked and hacked as a rule at DEF CON. Damn it. Rookie mistake. Lizette carried no affection for computers, preferring real locks and human targets to lines of codes or keyboards. She had never thought of them as particularly vulnerable, or more precisely, she had never really thought of herself as particularly vulnerable. Lizette had always considered herself one of the hunters, not one of the hunted. Having one of her possessions violated was a stinging wound to her pride. There you go, sweetie. How do you like that color? Lizette looked in the mirror. With bright pink and orange hair, she would clearly stand out in any normal crowd. Her instincts as a thief screamed at her not to call attention to herself. But then she remembered DEFCON and the punk dress code of the hacker convention, and she realized her hair was perfect, despite infringing on what little fashion sense or propriety she had. What's wrong, honey? You don't like it? No, nope. no, it's fine. It's what I wanted. You'll be here later to make it the proper color again, yes? When I'm done with what I have to do. <laughs> you bet. You got a costume party or something to go to? Something like that. Thank you, madame. Au revoir. Lizette left the hairdresser and walked down the Vegas Strip, eyeing with distaste the opulence, the blatant excess, and the inherent falsehood upon which the city was predicated. The promise of effortless wealth and easy sex seemed to permeate every escalator, billboard, and flashing casino sign. Strolling tourists seemed to be either giddy with excitement or slack-jawed and expressionless as they shuffled mindlessly through the maze of slot machines and video poker. Lizette hailed a cab to the Rio Hotel and Casino and walked straight to the DEFCON registration booth, signed in and paid her registration in cash, giving the pseudonym Jean to go on her badge. The Electronic Frontier Foundation was signing up new members just beyond registration. Lizette purchased a membership, mostly to get the t-shirt, that featured a lock with a crack running through it. She determined it would be a good addition to her disguise to blend in with the hacker community. She took the shirt and her badge back to her suite at the Encore to change clothes. She donned her new pair of distressed Rogan jeans and her EFF t-shirt that she had purposely frayed at the edges. She passed the mirror in her room and made a face at her garishly colored hair. Oh, I look like a whore. Well, maybe a clown. That's also a whore. How am I going to get one of these juvenile boys to take me seriously? How would they believe me about Leviathan? Harlequin lay uncomfortably in his bed. He was due for another dose of pain medication as the stem cells rebuilding the tissue within his mouth created a maddening itch. But his private nurse had informed him that Lizette was on her way, and he was eager to hear her report. His eyes widened as his ward was escorted into his hospital room, and he could take full measure of her unusual appearance. My god, child, what have you done with your hair? Is this her idea of blending in with the locals? Damn it, I wish my mouth could function so I could speak to her like a normal person. She looks uncertain. Oh, by the goddess, I love you like a daughter, Lisette. But we both know interpersonal relations have never been your forte. Hello, Holoquin. You look well. Stop lying. No, I don't, and neither do you. Thank you so much, Holoquin. Remind me why I'm helping you again? You have me trying to blend in with this, this hacker culture. I swear, I'm burning these clothes and I'm redying my hair the minute we're done with this stupid mission. Nothing stupid about this mission. Many lives at stake. I didn't expect you to get so far into the role. I'm proud.
I don't know what I'm doing. Someone has already hacked my laptop. I can't even get into it. I haven't met anyone, and I don't know how to win anyone's trust, let alone convince them to fly in an underwater aeroplane. Hello? This is where you usually interrupt to calm me down. My words are at a premium. We are both in situations that make us uncomfortable. We? But you're supposed to be the one who's so good at winning trust. And now, you can't even speak. What hope do I have? <sighs> well, tell me this. If I'm going to attend a recruiting event for all the best hackers at DEF CON, what advice can you give me for tonight? To earn someone's trust, appear innocent and needing of help, so that others feel protective and superior to you. You have many skills, be confident. I'm not. You must be careful. If you play the innocent lamb and they find out you're more capable, then you will lose more trust than you gain. That's not comforting. Hackers are not the best socially adjusted people. In that way, you fit in very well with them, Lizette. Hey! Attend your function tonight and mingle. Have a drink, but only one. You should play the part of a new, inexperienced hacker. That makes sense. I can already see that most of them would love to feel superior to a woman. Silly boys. Harlequin forced his fingers not to continue. He knew he was asking a lot of her to do what he was now unable to do. There was no point in wasting time to type out his impatience. Defcon had the best hackers in the world. Surely Lizette could lure one of them to Leviathan's aid. Don't worry. I won't let you down, Harlequin. Keep me posted. I'm sure you'll make me proud. Lizette moved to exit the room and then stopped for a moment. Do you ever find that it is easier to win the trust of those who are above or below us, but never that of our peers? Your peers are the most dangerous because they are your competition. You never trust the competition. Of course not. Thank you, Harlequin. Evening fell upon Las Vegas, allowing all of the flashing lights and glittery colors of the mega casinos to burst into full illumination. Much of the official DEF CON convention functions wound down for the night, and the attendees were soon searching for the assorted parties that various sponsors hosted in the evenings. The most prominent of those sponsors was a Santa Cruz-based software company called White Egg. Tales were rampant about the lavish perks of being a White Egg employee that included access to the company's fleet of private jets, exorbitant bonuses, corporate retreats in the South Pacific, and most importantly, the chance to work with luminaries in the field data science and cryptology on the highest profile projects. White Egg was hosting a deep fake hack-off where contestants had to compete against one another in a full-size boxing ring. The company had rented out one of the massive banquet halls at Mandalay Bay to host the event. The room was designed to accommodate over 2,000 people, but the party had already reached capacity. A long waiting line of hackers and partygoers extended out of the banquet hall, past the entrance to the pools, and spilled back out into the main casino. Electronic music pumped through the room, although few in the mostly male crowd were dancing. Instead, all eyes were fixed on the giant red and yellow boxing ring that had been erected in the center of the room. White Egg had pulled off another coup of public relations by becoming the party that everyone at DEF CON was talking about. The rules of the party were simple. Get in the ring. 
beat the company's in-house hacker and win the chance to interview with White Egg. It's so stupid. A hacking competition made to look like a boxing match? We're not going to find anyone here, Harlequin. <sighs> Lizette took one look at the long line to enter the party and determined that standing in a queue for two hours would not be a productive use of her time. She quickly spied a massive bouncer sporting an earpiece and clipboard standing beside the velvet rope at the entrance. Hmm. Hello there, tall, dark, and handsome. Let's you and I get to know each other a little better. Lizette removed her iPhone from her pocket and tapped on an app called X-Ray with a pair of glowing green sunglasses on the icon. She slowly walked toward the front of the line and pretended to be speaking on her phone. Hey, Monica, where are you? She carefully moved within 15 feet of the bouncer. She tilted her head slightly so that her phone was in direct line of sight of the man. After a moment, so she walked away to stand beside one of the windows overlooking the artificial beach within Mandalay Bay. She looked down at the screen of her phone that now displayed a photo of the bouncer's face. Now, let's see exactly who you are. For the captured, I'll enlarge it slightly and send. The X-ray app that Lizette had paid a corrupt NSA officer to create for her scanned the captured photo of the bouncer and instantly cross-referenced it with the massive databases of the FBI and NSA. She found that it produced little information on high-profile targets or individuals involved in true clandestine activities, but for normal, everyday citizens, it gave Lizette precisely the information she needed. Let's see. Scott Spaulding, age 29, 279 Cactus Road in Henderson, Nevada, former bodyguard for Wayne Newton, played right tackle for University of Las Vegas, whatever that means. Now, senior associate of security at Mandalay Bay Hotel and Casino. Medical records show torn meniscus on right knee, two surgeries, and current prescriptions for Ambien and hydrocodone. Ah. Here's what I need to know. Married to one, Rosemary Paris, 28, two children, five and two, named Tanya and Michael. Perfect. Lizette turned and confidently strode past the enormous line to the White Egg Party and made a direct beeline toward the head bouncer. Scott? What's the waiting? You have Scotty? to let me in. Bonsoir. Hold on. It's me, Sylvie, Rosemary's friend. I'm one of the assistants in Tanya's kindergarten class. She told you I was coming, yes? Uh, I'm sorry. I just moved in a few blocks down from you on Cactus Street. You know, the gray house with the awful bushes on the side. Uh, Excuse me, yeah. waiting. Wait, what street again? What's your name? You know, the gray house with kind of red roof. It has the stone steps that are sort of crooked. Uh, yeah, you mean the place off Weber Street. No, no, two blocks down from there. Rose said that your knee is finally starting to feel a little better. The bouncer stared suspiciously at the hot pink streak in Lizette's hair. You said you teach in Tanya's class? I know, my hair. Isn't it crazy? I thought it was a costume party tonight. Don't worry, it washes out. It better. <laughs> I think I'm only going to stay for an hour because I want to go home early to get some sleep. We have a teacher's meeting tomorrow in the classroom. Anyway, Rose said to look for you here. Do you mind if I just uh, slip oh, in? Uh, yeah, sure. You said Rosie sent you over? Yes, she told me to find you. She said to look for the handsome man at the front of the line. She's beautiful, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, she's my girl. Go on in. Have a good time in there. Merci, Scotty. See you soon. Hey, just her. 
Step Lizette back, entered the crowded banquet hall that felt more like a carnival of testosterone than any party she had previously attended. Scores of men in various black t-shirts and blue jeans crowded the four bars that were set up in the corners of the massive room. Almost everyone held a cell phone or tablet computer in one hand and a drink in the other, while tech talk and hackerspeak dominated every conversation. Alright, how do I know which one of these guys has any talent? I can't even understand what they're saying. Excuse me! Lizette pushed her way through the packed room, trying to get as far from the bar areas as possible where the crowds were the most dense and the most rowdy. The giant red and yellow boxing ring dominated the center of the room and was protected by a series of security guards that prevented intoxicated partygoers from climbing into the ring. From Lizette's vantage point, the boxing ring looked empty, but as she moved, she noticed a slim but well-built man leaning against the ropes, wearing white boxing shorts with White Egg's logo on it. He was speaking quietly to two men in gray suits that stood outside the ring. Interestingly, the man also wore a small Venetian mask that partially obscured his face. Far from looking ridiculous, the young man looked confident and as much as Lizette hated to admit it, rather attractive. So, you must be the ringer. Chloracan took a deep breath and leaned against the ropes of the boxing ring at White Egg's hack-off extravaganza. His Venetian mask obscured his identity, allowing him to be known only as the Summer Knight. Chloracan had been employed at White Egg for five years, but he had his reasons for not wanting his identity to be known at such a large public venue. He was Chinese-American and at only five foot five looked slightly out of proportion in the boxing ring, but no actual fighting would take place. Instead, each fighter's corner contained a desk, chair, three large monitors, and a bevy of cables snaking out of the ring. Now, the summer night just had to wait for one of the partygoers to challenge him. As the face of White Egg, he was the man to beat. There's gotta be a better way to recruit talent. These idiots will sign any waiver to get in the ring and win themselves a golden ticket to White Egg. Please show me someone with potential. Chloracan looked at the first row of seats outside the ring and saw his co-worker and best friend Nuala, a petite pixie-like blonde with a short bob and thin wireframe glasses. She gave Chloracan a wink and smiled at him sympathetically. One of the suited men outside the ring leaned in close to Chloracan and whispered in his ear. You know we'll be running remote intel on anybody that steps in the ring with you. If we identify a person of interest, we'll give you the signal and you take a die. Are we clear, Mr. Chloracan? Call me the summer night. Dr. Jacobs? Mm-hmm. No theatrics or heroism, if you please. The dark-suited man slinked away from the ring and stood against one of the far walls beside a large desk roped off from the crowd. Chloracan stepped into the middle of the ring and raised his arms in triumph. Hello, DEFCON! Welcome to Mandalay Bay! Who's ready for a hack-off? Chloracan worked the crowd into a froth as he surveyed the room carefully. Most of the audience consisted of young white men in a wide variety of sizes. All we need is one, Dr. Jacobs said, but I'm not even sure we'll find that. Look at them all. Ugh, no options at all except... Wait a second. Chloracan's eyes fell on a slight young woman with dark skin and pink streaks in her hair. She wore a tight t-shirt advertising the Electronic Frontier Foundation and seemed to be looking back at him with interest. He wanted to hold her stare longer, but most eyes in the room were on him as he walked confidently around the perimeter of the ring and waited for his first opponent. 
The crowd suddenly hushed a bit as a squatty young man in a green and gold cape and matching luchador mask approached the ring. He grabbed the corner pole and attempted to hoist himself up swiftly, but after several failed attempts, he accepted a small stepladder from the party's organizers and waddled into the ring. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Let's give a big hand to all of our contenders today. All of them are battling against White Egg's tough cracker, the Summer Knights. For our first bout, in this corner, hailing from Reno, Nevada, at 5'8", weighing in at 285 pounds, it's Robbie Mad Cow Costa! The young man's soft, pasty white body was clearly that of a languid hacker's, not someone with even a modest fitness regimen. But his eyes bulged wildly through his emerald mask as he looked out eagerly at the crowd before turning to point a single finger at Chloricon and then draw it across his throat. You don't have a chance! Really? A luchador costume? The mad cow jumped up and down excitedly as the crowd cheered and laughed at him. Cows rule! He wore a pair of tight green leggings that showed off his unsightly bulges, and his bare belly ballooned over the waistband. This is the best prime rib at DEFCON right here! And at 5 foot 6, 150 pounds from Santa Cruz, California, the Summer Gentlemen, this is a deepfake hack competition. You will each be given two minutes to alter images of celebrities and politicians. When you think your altered image is complete, press submit, and our photography AI will instantly grant you one point for a successfully duped image, or deduct one point for an unsuccessful attempt. You're going down, Summer Knight! Um, your fly's open. The man huh? immediately looked down. Hey, I, I don't have a fly, you skitty! No, seriously, the cape is a nice touch. Screw you, man! Chlorican merely shook his head while the announcer directed the men to their respective corners where computer workstations had been set up. Ready and fight! Let's do this! On the jumbotron above the boxing ring, photos of different celebrity couples were served to each player. I'm gonna kick your ass, Summer Knight! The mad cow was given a photo of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. Oh man, twins! While the Summer Knight was given Jennifer Lopez posing in a Versace dress next to Alex Rodriguez. Aaron's gonna look great in this dress. The men's fingers flew rapidly across their keyboards as they quickly developed algorithms to swap the various couples' faces. The crowd cheered and laughed, watching in real time as the images morphed and blurred until it appeared that A-Rod was wearing a green dress and Danny DeVito was over six feet tall. Each player slammed the submit button. Hasta la vista, DeVito! Out of the gates, both fighters score a point. Let's see what happens in the next round. You're going down, Summer Knight! The next images were served. This time, Chlorican was given Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. All right, time for me to practice my backhand. While the mad cow had to contend with Pope Francis and Mark Zuckerberg. That skull cap is going to be tough, mad cow. Stay in your lane, Summer Knight! Damn it! Oh, tough blow for the mad cow. Tough one, back to zero. Maybe it needed more cowbell. The hack match soon accelerated its momentum as images were getting served faster and faster. The mad cow caught a five-point streak, but Chloracan, aka the Summer Knight, still remained comfortably in the lead. I've got you right between my horns, Summer Knight. This guy's a buffoon. How much time is left on the damn clock? While waiting for his next image to be served, Chloracan's eyes 
again locked onto the young girl in the crowd. She felt her face grow warm as she realized the summer night was looking right at her. Lizette turned to the cheering man beside her. He held a beer in his hand, which looked to be not his first for the evening. Dude, this is awesome. Only Whitehead could throw a party like this. Those guys are the fucking bomb. A hack off in a boxing ring? I mean, it's brilliant. The party goer leaned in closer than Lizette liked, spilling his Corona draft on her jeans and providing her with a full blast of his malodorous breath. Awesome, right? Forgive me if I have this wrong, but those people in the ring are attendees here at the DEF CON, yes? Yeah, yeah, you sign up at the door. Anybody who wants to work at White Egg can do it. It's all for a chance to interview. They want to see if you got moxie, you know? Hey, you got a nice body. You know that? You look kind of spry. You do a lot of cracking? No, no, I haven't. It looks dangerous. Ah, don't worry about it. You don't really need to know how to box, much less hack. I guarantee most of these guys don't. But that guy in the silver mask is really good. Anybody that goes up against him is just desperate to work at White Egg. Or stupid. Don't you want to work at White Egg? I do my own shit. They couldn't afford me if they wanted me. You must be very good with computers. Yeah, well, let's just say a lot of these spooks around here would love to know who I really am. And uh, who exactly are you? You know, they don't have enough women in the hack match. You should sign up. I bet you'd look hot in boxing shorts. Really? Yeah, for sure. Hey, you know, I'm staying at the Encore. It's the fanciest hotel in Vegas. It's pretty sweet. A lot of high rollers. You, uh... Want to check it out later? You're very generous, but I have a room there as well. Personally, I think it's a dump. Yeah, I don't think it's so great. Kind of overrated if you ask me. Lizette Souter continued to blather on in her ear, but her thoughts were suddenly interrupted by the heightened action in the ring. Yeah, yeah another point. Come on, come on, Summer Knight. You got, you got nothing, man. The Jumbo White Egg is mine. You hear me? It's mine. Take your time and catch your breath, Cowsy. We don't want you to go into cardiac arrest in the ring. We might not have enough people to carry your fat ass out. Fuck you, man. The mad cow urgently typed faster to catch up to the summer night's blistering pace, but his hands were damp with perspiration, and he started to make repeated typos in his code, resulting in more points working? being deducted from his score. Do you know either of these men? I saw that guy Mad Cow in our panel today. He was being a complete toad and talked back to the panelists like it was a one-on-one -on -one convo. Dude is a total script kitty. Most people are here just to watch him get beat down. Then why are they booing? Because they want a better fight. That other dude, the Summer Knight, he's a white hat who works for White Egg. Some people are complaining that he's a plant, but he's so good that everyone enjoys watching him fight anyway. At least when he's got somebody real in the ring with him. Look at that loser. With one minute left, the Mad Cow is down by four. Can he mount a comeback? I'm coming back. I'm, I'm the rebound cow. Come on, that's the best you got, cow? Damn it. You got potential employers here. Why is it more so sticky? Dude, you could have your own Maserati in three years. A goddamn Maserati. You gotta step up your kung fu. I want, I want the Maserati. I want it so bad. Please, please, I gotta have the Maserati. I just, I just, Come on, you got it! Damn but the it. images on the Jumbotron kept coming faster and overwhelming the Mad Cow's ability to keep up. I keep getting air messages! Every submission he made to the White Egg AI was met with a strong rejection tone. 
Well, I think you're there. With only 20 seconds remaining, the Summer Knight's score was now over 25 points higher. Last chance. I'm gonna take you down, you. I'm gonna use my cow power on you. You're gonna see. You're gonna... And with three seconds remaining, Korakam pulled an image win. of the mad cow and slung it to the Drumbotron, adding Vulcan ears, a hot pink mohawk, and a Mike Tyson face tattoo. Say moo! Great! Hey, wasn't that great? Enchanting! I must meet this man. But does manipulating images really mean he can help Harlequin save Leviathan? Hmm. I can hear him now. Gisette, photo manipulation is little indicator of his coding skill set. Well, shut up, Harlequin. You're not here, are you? Lizette stayed fixated on the summer night as he waited for another challenger. The next man that entered the boxing ring was taller, wearing black boxing shorts and a black tank top, and gave his name only as Locke. The belligerent crowd went crazy, wanting to see the summer night bring yet another opponent down. Hey! Who are those men over there? What? Where? Those men in dark suits beside the table. They're signaling to the summer night. So you're paranoid and hot. Just the way I like them. You want another beer? No, thank you. I need to go. Hey, hey, wait. You can't go. I just bought you a beer. What's your deal? The crude man grabbed Lizette's arm roughly to prevent her from leaving. And in a flash, she viciously twisted his wrist into a painful lock. She looked him in the eyes and saw his fear bloom. You should think better of trying to force someone to spend time with you who does not wish to. Norman might not be so gentle with you. Oh, God, all you bitches are alike. You're all so fucking stuck up. You're just a tease, you know that? A fucking tease. You steal the energy and light of men. Lizette quickly moved away from the misogynist man and switched her attention back to the battle in the ring. Surprisingly, the summer night was now down by over 10 points. She shouldered her way closer to the ring to get a better look at the action. When she got close to the Summer Knight's corner, Lizette could see his fingers typing slightly slower, almost intentionally. Is he losing on purpose? Moments later, she looked up at the Jumbotron and saw that Locke had beaten the Summer Knight by over 20 points. It was over. White Egg had their interview candidate. Lizette fixed her brown eyes on the summer night and caught his gaze for the second time. She shook her head slightly and saw his eyes narrow. I think he's the one. Now I just have to find him. You have been listening to Season 3 of The Leviathan Chronicles. To listen to all of the Season 3 episodes right now and get the exclusive epilogue episode, purchase the Season 3 Director's Cut at leviathanchronicles.com or click the link in the show notes for immediate download. The Leviathan Chronicles was written and created by Christoph Lepupka, executive produced by Robin Shaw, produced and musical composition by Luke Allen, directed by Nobi Nakanishi, additional writing by Mer Lafferty. For more information and news, visit our website or find us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for supporting us and thank you for listening. This is Christoph Laputka, author and creator of The Leviathan Chronicles, and I wanted to thank you for listening to the first episode in Season 3, Lions and Lambs. We're so excited to be back and bringing you some of the best audio drama we know how to make. 
I really hope you enjoyed the episode, and there's a lot more in store in Season 3. To let you know, we'll be releasing one new episode into the podcast feed every two weeks. But if you like Chapter 39, you can get the entire season right now without waiting by going to leviathanchronicles.com and buying the director's cut of Season 3. You'll get all 13 episodes of Season 3 at once, plus the exclusive epilogue episode that won't be available anywhere else. There's a link right now in the show notes that you can access directly if you're listening on your phone. Please support us as your purchase helps us fund future seasons and allows us to keep creating more episodes of Leviathan. I also want to tell you that we're trying something new this season. On the Sunday nights before episode releases, the entire Leviathan team will be hosting live stream events on Facebook where we'll be previewing the newest episode a full day before they get released into the podcast feed, followed by a Q&A with the whole team along with special guests, including some of the cast. You can go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the Leviathan Chronicles or follow us on Twitter to get more details. We'll be hosting our next live stream event on June 28th at 7 p.m. East Coast time, 4 p.m. Pacific in the U.S. We really hope to see you there and are looking forward to bringing you some great episodes, some of the best work we've ever done in the season ahead. Thank you for listening to the Leviathan Chronicles, and I'll see you all again real soon. Leviathan Audio Production. There are a number of things that we can all do to help stop the spread of the coronavirus and protect ourselves and our families. One is simply to clean your hands often. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds, especially after you've been in a public place or after blowing your nose, coughing, or sneezing. If you don't have access to soap and water, then make sure you use a hand sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol. And finally, avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth with unwashed hands. These are some simple things that we can all do to help protect ourselves and our families from the spread of coronavirus. Be well, everybody.